you know, if a student athlete can set themselves up to have some, some money, you know, set aside and saved when they graduate college, that's to me the home run. Because we know that 98% of college student athletes are not going pro. So when we think about this education, this education isn't built on, you know, those elite of the elite, right? I mean, does it help the elite of the elite? Absolutely. But we also do it with the mindset of you have student athletes who are going to have to make decisions about, do I go to grad school or do I enter the workforce? If I want to enter the workforce, you know, what, what opportunity do I want to take? If I'm going to grad school, like, you know, what, what's, what school acceptance should I, you know, should I take? I mean, the decision-making, money, contracts, all these things are life issues. And so when you think about it, listen, you know, if you listen to my podcast, I have this phrase, man, where I say it is an ethical imperative that athletes at all levels, you know, be provided real world practical education. And to me, name, image, and likeness is the perfect conduit for providing real world practical education. Hello, 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 and welcome back or welcome to the Up Close in Personnel podcast with Alex Brown. I'm your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting for the Rice University Owls, and this show is all about educating and empowering those involved in the personnel, scouting, player development, and really all aspects of team building space. Whether you're a returning listener or new to the show, thank you for your time and support. If you like what you hear and you haven't already subscribed to the show, please do that now. Hit that subscribe button, rate, review, share the show. Thanks to all of the support you guys have been showing me. Made a top 20 uh, podcasts for 2021 on Welp Magazine. So that's you. Please continue to share the show, and I appreciate it. Now, before introducing our guest of the week, I want to talk to you about our sponsors over at War Room. If you're a high school or college coach looking for a one-stop shop to manage your roster, communicate with your team, handle compliance, or manage recruiting boards and evaluations, then War Room is exactly what you need. It's simple, easy to use, and they've got teams all across the country using their products. So if you want more information on what they have to offer and getting a free demo today, please hit up Moose Bingham at 801-808-7754 or go to www.collegewarroom.com for that free demo today. And on to this week's episode, we're joined by none other than Porter Wright non-agent sports attorney and Anomaly Sports President Luke Fedlam. Luke was recommended to me by Ed Jones, a a multi-visitor of the podcast, uh, Director of Player Development over at Baylor. Um, He's He's got a great relationship with colleges all across the country. It really started for him, as he he mentions in the podcast, when he had an opportunity to talk to Ohio State. Um, it's where he lives. He lives in Columbus. And, uh, you know, we are less than one month into this new world of NIL for college athletics. And I absolutely had to bring in a subject matter expert on this. He brings more than 15 years of experience on protecting and educating athletes at any phase of their career, whether that's navigating to the pro level or navigating life at the pro level or transitioning out of sports. He's got a wealth of experience that he brings to the table and now is able to share more information on what NIL looks like today for college student athletes. We dove deep into the weeds on his process as far as dealing with athletes, how he advises them, 
And uh, whether you're a fan, a coach, an athlete, there's just so much to take away from the episode, whether that be Luke's advice on branding to the opportunities beyond traditional sports marketing agreements that are afforded. And that includes camps, clinics, nonprofits, businesses. He goes into all of that. And in addition, he breaks down Zion Williamson's contract issues that came up with Prime Sports and the $100 million lawsuit that he dealt with. It's great stuff. So much to take away. And I had a blast recording with him because he's just got such a passion for protecting athletes. So be sure to check the show notes for different links to interviews with Luke, his website, and his podcast, Protecting Your Possibilities. And with that, I'll turn it over to my conversation with Luke Fedlam. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um... Luke, welcome to the show. Alex, thank you so much, man. It's great to be here. Yeah, I got recommended your name by one of my best friends, Ed Jones, the director of player development over at Baylor. Yeah. And obviously you've been on a lot of podcasts lately and you've been on a lot of interviews, also flying all over the place, all over the country. How do you how do you manage uh how do you manage the the getting pulled in so many directions right now? You're you're the uh you're the go-to person on NIL. Yeah, you know, um, you know, again, just first, you know, thanks for having me, having me on tonight. Um, and and I'll tell you, I, I am getting pulled in a lot of different directions, and I love every minute of it. Um, and, and I love it for a couple of reasons. Number one, <clears throat> I'm I'm really passionate about the work I do. Like I love it, and I know people use the word passion, you know, overuse it. Um, it you know, in some respects, it almost loses its meaning, but I very much mean that I am incredibly passionate about the work that I do, um, the ability to educate, um, to provide protection through education, to be able to open people's eyes to things that they didn't know. Um, I love it. And I love the work that I get to do on the legal side too every day of working to protect protect players. Um, but, I, but I'll tell you the other reason why I don't mind being pulled in you know, a lot of different directions is because this is what I've wanted. Like, this is what I've worked for. Um, when you think about, I, 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 lately I've been using this, um, this kind of example, this analogy that, you know, whether you look at it from a biblical perspective or whether you look at it from an agricultural perspective, there's this, you know, this idea of, you know, sowing your seeds, right? And you sow your seeds, you take care of the ground, you nourish the ground, you pick the weeds, you do all this work. And in life, we talk about that all the time about I'm sowing seeds and all this kind of stuff. And then comes time for the harvest. And I feel like right now is that time in, in my professional life for the harvest. But what, what oftentimes people think about is that the harvest is just like, okay, I made it, I'm good. But when you think about it from a, a, an agricultural perspective, like the harvest is work. Like the corn doesn't like, you know, remove itself from the corn stalk, right? Like you have to do that. You have to, you, you have to put in work and in, in, you know, agricultural times and people who are involved in farming and stuff, you know that the time of the harvest is probably the busiest time. And so, I have I have prayed about this work. I have researched. I have read. I have written, studied, done all these different things to to be in a position to help um, advise student athletes. You know, protect athletes, protect professional athletes. Um, and I put in that work. And so now it's the time of the harvest. And um, you can't complain when you when you're receiving something that you've been working for, right? 
Well, I think it's beautiful too, because you've, all of the experiences that you've gone through make you so uniquely prepared for this. And just, just to give a quick shout out, the, the interview you did with Columbus CEO, um, Steve Wartenberg, like that was a really, really impressive interview. Um, Thank you. I, I, I mean, just, you could feel the passion already through just reading the article one, but the things that I wound up reading about you is just insane. Like just your whole life story and the fact that you're a D1 athlete, but also served in the army and everything has kind of led to this point. And I kind of, I'll, I'll go full circle and I, I want you to talk about kind of the things, you, the lessons you've learned personally through that journey. But I think with the NIL world and everybody wants to be an influencer, everybody wants to be a yeah. thought leader. Yeah. Um, be, and I just love for you to talk about the years of sewing, like how many yeah, years yeah. did you put into it? And I, and I feel like it kind of started with that talk to Ohio state and you kind of had this aha moment, but how many years did you put into it? And, and what, what does it really mean to become a thought leader and, and influence a space in that way? Yeah, that's, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, those, are, those are some great questions. Um, I, I'll tell you, um, yeah, I've been, I've been putting in work for a long time. And, and, and I was just, I had a conversation with my wife this morning about, you know, it, it is, it is pretty humbling to be recognized for the work that you get to do every day, right? And and whether you get the, you know, kind of the moniker of being a thought leader or an expert or, or just a go-to person in a particular space, that's a humbling feeling. Like for me, definitely excited because I know the work that I put in. Somebody, one of my friends said to me the other day, like, uh, you know, it's pretty cool to be, uh, you know, to put in 10 years of work and then all of a sudden be an overnight sensation, right? It's like, yeah, you know, I've put in a lot of work my, my aha moment to your question, you know, if we're talking about student athlete education, my aha moment was definitely, you know, giving a presentation, Ohio State football. I want to say this was 2014 or 2015. Um, and uh, it, it was one of those moments where, you know, somebody asked a question about there were a group of us together at an event and somebody asked a question about like, if you were to talk to the, you know, football team, what would you share with them? And a, you know, a couple other people answered and they kind of just fumbled their response. No, no pun intended. Um, and uh, I told them right off the bat, like I would talk about, you know, athletes and protecting themselves and thinking about, you know, how do you leverage your celebrity while at the still at the still at the same time, making sure that you are, um, you know, protected in the decisions that you make. And that, you know, one of the people who were who was there in that group just happened to be uh, one of their uh, in the athletic department at Ohio State. And they called me the next week and said, we'd love to have you come give that talk to the team. I said, that's great. <laughs> Let me go build it. <laughs> but, but it, you know, it, it was that for me that like really kind of set things off, like being able to speak with the team. And I, I love public speaking. I love, you know, um, sharing ideas and, and thoughts with people, having conversations. I'm very much more of a conversationalist than a presentationist, if you will. Um, I like to be able to, get that feedback and that engagement and feel people and, and meet them where they're at. And, you know, being in a room, hundred plus, you know, people in there um, who have, and, and again, a group that has a ton of people come in, right. And talk to them all the time, but to be able to do it in a way that you just, you know, you've got them and they are learning and they're engaging and responding to me. 
I realized in that moment, the value of providing real world, practical, unbiased education. And when you think about that, so many people have, you know, their own agenda or their own desires um, when having the opportunity to speak to a team and things like that. Um, when I look at it, it's like I've got this wealth of experience of real world situations of real athletes that have gone through things that at the pro level um, we have seen for years. And that now I know as it relates to name, image and likeness that, that student athletes are going to be faced with. So to be able to share that information, to see people's eyes open up, to see student athletes want to ask question after question after question to get more information so that they can make smart decisions. That to me is it's it's um, it's really exciting and it's really rewarding uh, as well. But it's been years. I mean, it's been years of work. I'm able to share the information and education that I do because of years of work. And you keep using the word protect. And in addition to educate and you have your protecting your possibilities podcast. When did you come up with the word? You just you kept on writing down educate and protect. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to do a podcast. When did you get over the hump for it? Because like it took me like two years to even decide to start doing it. You've gone on a full year now, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Just crossed a year. Wow, that's crazy. Yep. And and it took me um, it took me a little bit over almost not quite a year and a half to get to, to over 50 episodes. But um, I think we might have started around the same time. But like yeah. what what got you over the edge to actually do a podcast? So, um, so two things, the podcast and the name, right? So the name was an easy one for me because um, I was sitting in a presentation. So I love public speaking and I really love watching and experiencing other really good public speakers. Um, I think, you know, if you think of any sport that you've ever played, if you're playing with competition that is better than you, you're going to get better. And so I'm always looking for like, you know, what did somebody do that engaged the audience in a way, you know, that I could learn from? What can I take from this or that? And, um, and, and I, I was sitting in a presentation and somebody started off talking about the idea of like, who are you? And, you know, without using your job title, how do you describe who you are? And that resonated with me because I do conversations with athletes around identity foreclosure and athletes. Right. And so knowing who you are beyond your sport. But it was fascinating because this was a room not of athletes, but a room filled with business leaders. And it made me think, like, if I were to describe myself without using my job title, without using the title of, you know, dad, husband, friend, you know, that kind of thing. But if I were really to put like a brand around who I am, what would that be? And in that moment, that morning, I decided that I'm a protector of possibilities. So if I were to describe myself to a parent of an athlete that um, is looking for legal protection or um, a someone who just wants to get, you know, a student athlete who wants to get more education on a particular topic or my my job as a the head of my household and my, you know, a husband to my wife and a father to my kids. Like, I feel like that phrase, that 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 brand, that name protector of possibilities really defines who I am. I want to protect all the possibilities that my kids have to make a change in this world. I want them to have all the opportunities to go out and do great things and, and, and realize their dreams. My clients that I work with on the legal side, I want to protect them in all that they have um, to do in order to have a positive impact on themselves, their families, their communities. And when you think about the student athletes and name, image and likeness, I mean, there are so much, so many possibilities for student athletes in this new world 
but yet with those possibilities comes um, threats by others taking advantage of them, et cetera. And so I want to be able to protect them as well. So, so protecting your possibilities for me, you know, as a name of a podcast was a no brainer. Um, but when it comes to like kind of why and how did this, how did the podcast come about? It really is because of COVID. Um, I love engaging with people. I love speaking. And, and I was starting to do more and more, you know, webinars and, and zoom presentations like we all were. And um, I, I just felt like I want to get more information out. I don't want it to be long. You know, I, I, there are some podcasts I listen to that are an hour. Um, and I think that's great. But I wanted to be able to just deliver some bite sized you know, nuggets of information on different areas that can help not just athletes, but entrepreneurs and others um, as they're navigating various legal issues. And so we talk about it. We talk a lot about name, image and likeness. And sometimes I'll have guests on. Sometimes it's just me. Um, but but uh, but it's been a way it's just been a great kind of forum or method um, of communication to be able to engage with people, you know, over this past year that, uh, that I've really enjoyed. I've come to enjoy. I, I can't agree with you more. Um, it's just another way to get information out without making a thousand calls. You just put out one evergreen, you know, podcast episode and shoot it out. Do you feel like it, it's kind of like giving you the, uh, the secret formula, so to speak, when you go on shows, you're like, okay, I think I know what they're probably going to ask me. And you, you kind of like reverse engineer it now that you, you've done so many podcasts on your own because the standalone ones are hard. Um, yeah. I, I normally try to make sure I get someone on. I think I've only done like two episodes where it was just me. Uh, but do you feel like it's kind of helped you kind of reverse engineer all the times you go and do interviews with people now? It probably has. Um, but I don't think, I don't think too much about that. I, I you know, I, I, um, I had somebody just ask me the other day, like, do you get tired of talking about the same topics? Um, and not just through the podcast, but, you know, talking about name, image, and likeness. I mean, every day, whether it's presentations to student athletes, whether it's, you know, calls of business, like owners calling, like, how do we engage in this space? What do you see happening? Talking to a foundation tomorrow that's concerned about, you know, they've worked with student athletes in the past, and now they're concerned that the only way the student athletes will work with them is if they pay them. And so we're going to have conversations. Like, I talk about name, image, and likeness and other kind of ancillary aspects of legal and business kind of protections um, every single day. But I love it. Like, I love this. I love being able to share. So what I do to your question about reverse engineering, I really don't. I try to be in the moment. Um, yeah. You know, and, and for anybody who's listening, um, I didn't get any of questions from you, like nope. prepared questions that sometimes people will send in advance and things. Um, and even when I see the prepared questions, I'm not one that will prepare a response. If I see them, I'll take a look at them just to say, okay, is there anything that I, I either need to go research or is, it, is there going to be a question about a particular court case that I need to go get some factual information? But I, I, very, I, I like to come across as authentic. I like to be my authentic self um, and share information that, that I think resonates with people in a way that they can receive. So um, I try not to reverse engineer um, interviews and I try to just go with the flow and where the questions go and where the conversation goes, man, I'm just, I'm just happy to be a part of it and, and along for the ride. No, I, I respect that. And, and I just love the fact that you'd rather just get into the weeds of this topic and, and you just love what you do. And, and I think that you'll never work a day in your life. If you love what you do. The thing that, that kind of stood out to me when, when I've listened to you, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're, you're on every single platform. So one, just word of advice to athletes that want to be a thought leader or want to be an influencer, like 
you got to get your stuff out there. You got to get content out there um, yep. and in a multifaceted way. But the most important thing is be your authentic self, right? Because you can't back something that isn't you. And when you've talked about NIL, you've talked about kind of the three main components from a school's perspective of there's the branding, the commercialization, the monetization, then there's the compliance aspect and there's the education aspect. But when you've talked about branding, you've always said that's character. Can you define that for our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I think on the branding piece, and again, I don't, I am not a branding expert. So everyone who's listening, you can take what I say, you can take it or leave it. I, I won't be offended. Um, but I will tell you based on my experiences that character and authenticity are, are everything, right? It's the who you are. Um, I just had a conversation with, um, actually he said that I could share it, right? So I'll, I'll share now because he said I could share it publicly, but like had a conversation with somebody from Scott's miracle Grow. I used to work at Scott's miracle Grow, um, doing, uh, acquisitions for them on the legal side and, um, got to know obviously a bunch of people there and, uh, serve on the board now on a board now with, um, their, I think he's a senior vice president of marketing and whatnot. And we were having a conversation this morning actually about name, image, and likeness. And what he said was, you know, Scott's Miracle Grow is a publicly traded company, you know, for, I don't know, $4 billion market capitalization, a big, you know, relatively big company. And um, what he shared was, you know, we could go out and get any athlete that we, you know, would want to, to work with, um, you know, work with our brand. Like we have the, they have the money to do it, that kind of thing. But what they're looking for is authenticity, right? They're looking for something where they can share an authentic story um, with, with someone that, authentically relates to them. And I think this is what many brands are going to do. Because what he shared was he was like, I'd rather meet, you know, uh, if, if we're going to get involved with student athletes, I'd rather meet a student athlete that, you know, cut grass when they were a kid, right in their neighborhood, or maybe their family had a landscaping company, and they worked in the landscaping company, right, or that, you know, they played football, you know, in their backyard on the grass and always took care of the grass so that they could have good football games, you know, growing up in the backyard, you know, and now they're playing football in the college, you know, on the biggest stages, right? Because that is authentic to their brand, right? That is a story that they can tell that allows them to come across to their audience, right? Their potential customers, consumers, much more authentic than just like a random big name in college sports that says, you know, um, you know, even though I don't have grass, if I did, I'd use Scott's miracle or whatever, right? Like that, that's not an authentic story. And I think, you know, um, as we think about how student athletes, as student athletes think about developing their brand, I was just sharing with a group of student athletes today, the past couple of days, um, you know, you don't want to be in a place where you are simply just promoting product, right? Somebody's paying you 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is, you know, to do, to send out social media posts, right? So you start sending out these tweets and, you know, different companies are asking you to do that and you're just doing it here and there for, you know, 20 bucks here, 50 bucks there, 10 bucks there. All of a sudden your timeline starts to look like you're just a, a, an infomercial, right? And there's no authenticity, there's no engagement. So being who you are and thinking about what it is that you love, what are you passionate about? And I know passion is a strong word. So even if you're not passionate about something, what are things that you enjoy? What do you enjoy doing outside of your sport? When people can start to see that and understand that, that authenticity, that's critical because that's where a brand may say, you know what? I want that story, 
I want that person to be a part of our story. And in that same conversation that I have with Scott, I've had that conversation with nonprofits who engage with you know various celebrities and others to promote who, what they do and with other companies. So I think authenticity is critical, but you mentioned character. And I just wanna say this real quick about character, which is that that's everything. So most companies, if they are considering having a student athlete or even a professional athlete do social media marketing and social media influencing for them, they are most definitely gonna be looking at your timeline because they're gonna go down your entire timeline and they have companies that'll do this for them because they'll wanna analyze, is there anything that's gonna be embarrassing to them, All right? I mean, they're deciding to put money into you. And if they decide that they want to engage you in a name, image, and likeness opportunity, um, they don't want a story to come out you know, three months in where it says, oh, you said something sexist, racist, homophobic, whatever it might be on your timeline down the road. So your character matters. Like, you know, how you present yourself, how, how you share yourself with the world, if you want to engage in name, image, and likeness, that all matters. Now, and the thing that was so misconstrued and misunderstood from the jump was that, oh, athletes want to get paid now. Like, it's pay to play. Colleges are just paying, paying kids now. And on top of tuition, they're getting paid yep. to play. And I'm so glad you've gone out of your way to dispel that, you know, and it, look, that's not the case. Really, student athletes are now able to live like other college students live. And um, can you can you kind of just give us some definitions? Uh, start at the ground level of name, image, likeness, the three separating words. Yeah, so, so name, image, and likeness, um, they really refer to your persona rights or the intellectual property that each of us have in our own name, image, and likeness. So your name is just that, right? For me, Luke Fedlam, um, that's my name. Um, my image would be a, a picture of me that you, you know, that someone, you know, that, that I take or that someone takes, but a picture of, of me. Likeness would be a graphic representation, right? So, you know, if you haven't seen me, I've got like a mole on my cheek. I've got, I know, sometimes I wear glasses when I'm reading or on a computer, um, a goatee, right? So, you know, some gray hair on the side, like, you know, so somebody drew it, a sketch or an, an, an image, right? You could, you could say, oh yeah, that's Luke Fedlam, right? Without it being an actual photograph, you know, image of me. So that's your name, image, and likeness. And that's technically what they are. And, and, and everyone has rights to their own name, image, and likeness. But up until J July 1st of this year, student athletes were not able to um, monetize or commercialize the use of their name, image, and likeness. Now, that's the, that would be the breakdown of the three words, name, image, and likeness. But I think there's also um, this overarching theme that sometimes goes forgotten, that name, image, and likeness has become almost shorthand for the ability for student athletes to earn compensation. It doesn't just have to be based on your name, image, and likeness. And so now, um, unlike before, now you don't have to have a waiver if you want to start a business. Could have nothing to do with your name, image, and likeness. You just want to start a business because you have a product that you want to sell or a service that you want to provide. Um, you know, you want might you know start getting involved in camps and clinics, and it may not even be your name, image, likeness. It could be one of your teammates, um, but now you're helping them right as part of one of the you know coaches or whatever as, as, at the camp and clinic, and you're getting paid for it. Uh, or you're getting involved with you know nonprofits or other organizations because they're meaningful and impactful to you. 
So this this idea of, of it just being name, image, and likeness, I think sometimes shortchanges the idea and the concept that student athletes can do so much more than just traditional sports marketing agreements. A lot of times, you know, it, when people see that that I um, I'm in this name, image, and likeness space, it seems like everybody wants to talk about it. So whether I'm walking down the hall somewhere, you know, in my office building, and you know, maybe an old attorney comes by and is just like. You know, I don't think name, image, and likeness is really going to be for that many student athletes. I think it's really just going to be for your elite of the elite. And that's because the mindset is the traditional sports marketing agreements, right? Like your, your Gatorade or Nike or like your big, you know, big dollar contracts. But name, image, and likeness on the whole um, is really just the opportunity for student athletes to earn compensation in ways that they haven't been able to before. And I think because of that, and if you take that approach, um, we're going to see so many student athletes, I think, engage in um opportunities that that um that didn't have the opportunity before and what would you say are some trends that you've noticed just in these first 20 days whether good or bad that that you've kind of seen from a big picture standpoint obviously we had some guys that were just like rushing to the finish line or to, rather to the starting line <laughs> right uh, at midnight and, and signing yep. deals and you were kind of like hey pump the brakes like don't let them lock you yeah. into long-term deals. What what were some trends that you were noticing? So, you know, really interesting. We've we've had what, you know, almost three weeks um, of name, image, and likeness, which is, you know, not much time at all. But, you know, we've seen things where there are agents who want to work with student athletes. So I've looked at quite a few um, marketing agent agreements with student athletes. Um, I think, you know, another thing that I've I've seen is you know, I've had a lot of conversations with student athletes who are somewhat skeptical, which to me is exciting. Be skeptical, be intentional, right? Don't rush into anything. I've just had a conversation with some top, um, you know, basketball student athletes today uh, that are, that just want to do things the right way. And they talked about their performance on the court and saying that I want to be able to perform on the court um, and I don't want to be distracted by name, image, and likeness. I'm going to engage in it, but I'm going to engage in it on my terms. I've heard that conversation, you know, in a few different places. And I think that's, that to me brings me joy. That is so great to hear. Um, but I've also seen some other student athletes that are like, you know, taking, um, you know, trying to do, you know, social media posts, you know, $20 here, $10 there, $15 there, whatever it might be. And I think that um, the hard part about, the entire name, image, and likeness environment right now is that because we're only 20 days into it, and don't forget, we're 20 days into name, image, and likeness in the quote-unquote off-season, like it's the summer. So we haven't gotten into the fall sports season yet, right, the, the, the winter sports season yet. Um, but 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 I, I would say, I, I think that it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you think about, like, student athletes who really want to engage and just take on these kind of small opportunities. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, just being smart uh, about how you're going to engage and when you're going to engage. And to be honest with you, like be smart about why you want to engage, having a plan for what does name, image, and likeness actually mean to me individually? Not what does it mean to my teammates, right? Not what does it mean to, to other folks who want me to do things? Like, what does it mean to me? Because when you can answer that, I think that, that, helps you navigate opportunities. So, so definitely, you know, I've seen that. And I, I think the other thing that I've seen is there's really a lack of just knowledge um, 
you know, in information in this name, image, and likeness space. Schools were forced into rushing into coming up with their school policy um, and had no, really had no choice. Um, they kind of got thrust into it because of the NCAA um, and, their, and their ruling. Um, and so schools have been focused on that. And, and we're, you know, kind of, what, three weeks in almost. And it's like, um, you know, they're still trying to figure out, like, how do we, how do, what do we do for our student athletes? I had a coach, I had a basketball coach, you know, say something to me the other day. He was like, hey, listen, I don't think I'm supposed to be telling student athletes like what to do or not to do. So how do I get this information that you have to them? Now, my quick answer was, well, you need to hire me. <laughs> that's, that's an easy one. I got you on that. That's an easy, that's an easy answer. But, but I also said, you know, and, and, and part of the reason why I said that too is because when I talk to student athletes, I'm talking about processes. I'm talking about information helping student athletes to understand what they don't already know, right? You don't know what you don't know. So helping them understand what they don't know and then understand how to navigate that area that they're just learning and figuring out. Um, but for coaches and administrators and, you know, athletics uh, department staff who can't, you know, tell a student athlete, you got to do this deal or don't do this deal. Um, they got to be able to rely on processes. And so having people who can bring in real world practical education to help um, shed light on these areas and provide processes to help student athletes navigate and work through um, name, image, and likeness opportunities, advisors who want to work with them, dealing with money, dealing with the decisions they have to make, then you got to bring in, you know, people who know what they're talking about and they can provide those. So that way the coaches and others can rely on a process when they're talking to their student athletes, say, where are you at with this process? Remember we learned about this, like how how far have you made it? Where are you at? What questions can I help you to think about asking and things along those lines? Now you're providing education. That, now, now I'm getting on my soapbox, right? And this yeah. education is so critically important because it's not just about name, image, and likeness, right? Listen, you know, if a student athlete can set themselves up to have some, some money, you know, set aside and saved when they graduate college, that's to me the home run because we know that 98% of college student athletes are not going pro. So when we think about this education, this education isn't built on, you know, those elite of the elite, right? I mean, does it help the elite of the elite? Absolutely. But we also do it with the mindset of you have student athletes who are going to have to make decisions about, do I go to grad school or do I enter the workforce? If I want to enter the workforce, you know, what, what opportunity do I want to take? If I'm going to grad school, like, you know, what, what's, what school acceptance should I, you know, should I take? I mean, the decision-making, money, contracts, all these things are life issues, and so when you think about it, listen, you know, if you listen to my podcast, um, I talk, I, I have this phrase, man, where I say it is an ethical imperative that's, that athletes at all levels, you know, be provided real world practical education. And to me, name, image, and likeness is the perfect conduit for providing real world practical education. To, period. To me, that when you talk to a student athlete about money, you now have their attention and the ability to teach them things to help them make smart decisions so that now we can be in a place where let's if, if we have some missteps, let's have some missteps early. Let's make sure they're minor so that now when you move on throughout your career in college and into the real world, you're not making those missteps and you can be in a position where you can start off your professional life, if you will, on good footing. And I, I love the fact that you talked about that on top of what you talked about earlier when you defined it 
with like, you can start businesses, you can you do camps at clinics, you can do nonprofits because like not everybody wants to just be on social media. You know, some guys want to coach at some point. Some guys want to get right. in teaching. Some guys want to get involved in the community. And I think the more education, the better. And we're super fortunate to have someone like JP Abercrombie, who you know, who is head yeah. of our, our flight yes. plan, which we announced yeah. in, in, in January. And that's connected with something that she was working on before that, which is our SOAR network, which connects our guys to alumni. And then she kind of works in tandem with our compliance officer, our compliance director, Torian Houston, who's awesome as well. Have you seen most of it funneled, like as far as the educational piece through compliance? And and for us, like I, I know the state, like different states have different legislation. We can get into that later. But have you yep. seen most of that come from the athletic department and or the compliance departments? Um, I, I've seen it come from a lot of different places. Um, different schools are just kind of taking different approaches to this. A, a lot of schools created a name, image, and likeness task, task force, working group, um, some group that was tasked to kind of figure out what's the school's you know, name, image, and, you know, and likeness solution going to be. Um, and oftentimes that group then has been um, the group uh, that has brought in you know, people to help facilitate education and, and things along those lines. Um, also, the same groups that have, you know, worked to decide, you know, if they're going to partner with, you know, what what potential marketing platform uh, or social media platform might they might they partner with uh, for their student athletes. And I'll be honest with you, you know, from an, a pure education perspective, you know, compliance makes great sense. I've done some joint presentations with compliance around, um, you know, understanding the rules because the rules also lead to like discussion around like protecting yourself on deals and opportunities and why certain things are in place. Um, but, but I'll also say, you know, I've had coaches that have reached out that want to get some better understanding so that they can talk to their players or, or having me come in and talk to their players. Um, we've had uh, all different types of athletic department staff reach out. Um, and then also obviously the compliance, you know, compliance groups, as I've said, I think, at, at, at this point, there's so much happening so quickly. Change has come so significantly that I think it's pretty much anyone who who is touching this um, is involved in you know bringing in whoever they think will help their student athletes be best prepared uh, for what's to come. And 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 I'll say this is this is where I give a a bit of a shameless plug, but but I do so I think on the platform of of come really honesty transparency, which is you have got to provide education to your student athletes on how do you navigate name, image, and likeness, right? Like I get it. And I talk with, you know, whatever we can name names, like whether it's talking to Blake, you know, Lawrence at Open Doors, who's the CEO of Open Doors, whether it's talking to Jim Cavalli, the, you know, president of, um, or CEO of uh, Influencer or, or, or anyone else. And they'll tell you they have education, right? But their education is oftentimes focused on, their brand and building your brand, right? And how do you grow your brand? To me, this is like offense and defense, right? Building your brand is that offense, right? This is me going out there to the marketplace and saying, this is who I am. This is how you should see me and know me, right? Growing that. Defense is where I like to play, right? And that's the protection side. So you can't just provide you know, education on how do you grow your brand? How do you get more followers? When should you post? How should you post? What should you post, right? Your authentic self and all that. 
without saying, okay, so now when somebody pre- presents you with a contract, like you've got to be able to tell them what to look for, what to watch out for. What are common ways in which people get taken advantage of with contracts? Let's talk about finance, taxes, financial aid, understanding how that works. Thinking about due diligence, the people that want to come and work with you. How do you even research that? What questions do you ask? How do you navigate like all the voices, the noise that comes with name, image, and likeness, right? I mean, how do you make decisions through all this? And I've talked about decision-making for a number of years. It's so critical. If we're talking about time management, healthy relationships, um, you know, brand management, financial management, you know, networking, career development, all of those life skills, all of those areas start with a decision. So you can't just provide the offense here and just say, hey, go out and grow your brand and, and get some money. And here's the compliance. Like, don't, you know, make sure you stay within these rules and not help equip them for success in navigating it. So I get fired up on this education piece because it's like, like let's help them. Let's help student athletes navigate this. And, and I'll tell you, I ask, I ask athletic departments all the time if I have the opportunity to present to an athletic department or to a, a group um, within compliance or within the athletic department and say, how many people have seen an individual brand ambassador agreement, um, individual marketing you know, agency agreement, uh, a social media influencing agreement, and most people never have. I've seen hundreds of them, right? If not thousands, I, like, that, like that is what I do. And I'm not saying that I'm the only one. There are other attorneys and, and others who've done this. Like, so you've got to think like, we've got to be able to provide that real world, practical education to our student athletes so that they not only build their brand, but they protect their brand. The one that you always reference in interviews, I've heard it twice, Zion Williamson. So, and you normally break it down with, there's the advisory contracts and there's the opportunity or, you know, opportunity contracts. And then yeah. I, I, was this more of the advisory category? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wanna, um, do you wanna kind of break it down? Like get into the weeds on where did Zion go wrong? And we're not trying to pick on him cause he's a hell of a player and love watching him play. And obviously he's going through it, but let's like learn from it and hear it from your perspective. Cause you do see these. And it's like, I, I wouldn't go to a, a foot doctor to get my brain looked at. I'm not going to ask myself on a marketing contract. Cause I've never seen one personally. Yeah. So where did we go wrong? So, so um, full disclaimer, full disclosure, like I don't, I don't work with or represent um, Zion on the legal side. And, and what I'm sharing is my perspectives based on um, the contract that he signed, um, you know, when he was coming out of Duke. And this information, because there was a lawsuit, this is public information. So um, let me, I, you know, as the lawyer, I got to give that, this, that, that disclaimer. Um, and, and so what did we see in this contract? Because I pulled the contract I wanted to see. And, and so just to give people context, when Zion Williamson was coming out of Duke, he signed with a company called Prime Sports. Prime Sports Marketing, um, and uh, and so they were going to do his marketing, all of his marketing work, and they had him sign a contract. He signed the contract, and then ultimately ended up deciding that he didn't want to work with them anymore, wanted to terminate the contract, and um, you know once he terminated, they ultimately filed a hundred million dollar lawsuit saying that um, you know that he uh, 
he would have, you know, earned them, you know, $100 million or what have you in the length of, of his career contract. There are a couple of things in that contract that really were interesting to me. And two, you know, if you want to get into the weeds, two of the um, most eye-opening and somewhat jaw-dropping provisions that I saw within that contract were based on term and termination, right? So term is how long the contract is. Termination is how can you get out of that contract? The term of the contract was five years. Now think about what we're what we have here, right? We've got a marketing agent agreement. Somebody saying, "I'm going to go out and find you deals." Um, um, you're hiring me, you know, athlete, right? In this case, Zion, you're hiring me to come and, and find you opportunities and find you deals. And the term is five years. So if we think about this, the mindset, and I share this with student athletes now, and when I talk about not signing long-term contracts, you want to be able to be a marketing free agent when you want to be, right? So the term shouldn't be five years. It should really be a year. Maybe you give them, maybe somebody like Zion gives them two years, but a year with someone like Zion, they should be able to prove their value within a year. So that's number one, not a five-year contract, one year max, right? Now, if it automatically renews and less terminated, things like that, cool, no problem. The other piece is the termination piece. The language in that contract um, with Prime Sports Marketing between Prime Sports and, and Zion said um, that the term of the agreement was five years, like I mentioned, um, and that after five years, either party could terminate with 30 days notice, but only for cause. And so for cause is a legal term. And it basically means that somebody has intentionally, you know, or deliberately just basically they've, they've messed up. Right. And so it basically means you can only fire somebody if they've messed up, if they actually have done something wrong. So now you've got a contract that's a five-year term and then after the five years, it will continue on and can only be terminated, right? If you've done something wrong. It's unlimited. It, it's it's going to keep going. What? <laughs> Let, man, listen. So so this is one of those situations where it's like, you've got to understand. When I negotiate um, marketing agent agreements uh, for players, I like to push that the player can terminate for any reason upon 15 days notice. For any reason, for upon 15 days notice, right? And why is that? Because young people change their mind. Athletes change their mind. You may have, in, you know, really hit it off with this person. You really like them. They like you. You decide to hire them. And then you realize they're not really doing what I want. Or I think somebody else knows me better and can promote me better. I just, I just don't want to go with them. Whatever it might be, athletes change their mind. And so to be locked into a contract and not be able to change your mind and terminate, you're the one that's hiring them. Like, that, that's the thing to me. Like, and this is where I feel like I really want student athletes. I mean, in all, all athletes, pro athletes, student athletes, but in the case of name, image, and likeness, I really want student athletes to realize the leverage and the power that they have. That to me is what education does. It helps enlighten you empower you, help you understand that leverage, that power that you have. A marketing agent, a brand manager, a web designer, you know, a, a business manager, a lawyer, an accountant, they all work for you. They work for 
the athlete. It's not the other way around. And I know that you might be a student athlete that's only 18, 19, 20 years old. And now you've got somebody that's 40, 45, 50, whatever years old coming and talking to you. And you're going to be intimidated because you're like, they, they do this all the time. I'm brand new to this. It doesn't matter. You are the, you are the athlete. You are hiring them. So, I mean, if you just think about it, even if you didn't understand legal language, if you read that, that this is a five-year contract and then I can only terminate for cause, I get it if you don't understand what for cause means. But that is like stunning to think. So, so thinking about that, again, that just goes back to what drives me with this education. It's helping people understand what it is that they're getting into so they can understand how to get out of it if they want to. But what is the, what is the long-term impact and what is the effect on them by making certain decisions. This is really, really good stuff. And I, I don't wanna make you late to your dinner, but the one question I have to ask is, yeah. I need more details on the eight-year-old, the noble king, but the now Luke Fedlam. How did you convince your parents to get you that briefcase and <laughs> did you know you wanted to be a lawyer before that so two questions how did you convince yeah. them and when did you really know you wanted to be in this space not not yeah. just the nil but you know yeah. what, what you do yeah yeah being a lawyer and doing all this stuff i'll tell you um when i was a kid i wanted to be the president of the united states right and um it wasn't like uh one day I want to be president of the United States. The next day I want to be an astronaut. The next day I want to be a firefighter. Like I wanted to be the president of the United States. I went through my childhood wanting to be the president. Um, I went to college still wanting to become the president of the United States one day. I left college thinking, I think I want to get into politics and ultimately become the president of the United States. So this wasn't like just like a, a one-time kind of thing. So when I was a kid, um, I started like just researching, right? And reading about presidents and found out that so many presidents were lawyers. And I thought to myself, like, okay, I don't really know what lawyers do, but I think I want to do that. I had no clue. I mean, there was like, there was a TV show, um, you know, back, 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 back in the day called LA Law that I was just like, wow, like, you know, wow, the, the lawyers on this show have drive a nice car, you know, they're doing all these cool things. Like, you know, to me, that, that really just kind of drove me to, to want to, um, to want to be a lawyer. Um, and then when I started to find out, you know, other ways in which lawyers operate and, and, and work, like it just really said, yeah, this is something I want to do. <laughs> the briefcase, as a parent now, I think, you know, when your kid asks you for something completely random that you would have never even thought to like get them as a gift or whatever, I think that like, it, it, you know, <laughs> when I think about my kids now, like if they ask for something completely random, like, yeah, I'm all over it. Like, absolutely. Like, let's, let's do it. Um, you know, my son, his birthday is uh, in a few weeks. He's uh, he'll be 11. And he said, you know, especially because of COVID and all that we've had, he said, you know, daddy, for my birthday, I want to go to a nice hotel that has a swimming pool. And I was like, done deal. Let's go. Right. So we booked a little, you know, like long weekend kind of getaway, uh, which will be our first kind of getaway with the kids, you know, since COVID started. Um, and again, it was unique. It was different. He didn't ask me for V-Bucks for Fortnite, you know, that kind of thing. So like, yes, my son, absolutely. Let's go do that. Um, and so I asked for a briefcase. I don't even know why I wanted the briefcase other than I think like I wanted to be a professional. I've wanted to be a professional my whole life. Like I've, I, I love wearing suits. Like, you know, and I know that sometimes I have to dress it down because I want to engage with the people that I'm at. But like, that's just, I don't know, man. I'm just, I've been hardwired that way. 
Um, and uh, that's, were, that's were, you, were you the kid when, when you went over to your friend's house, you were like talking to the parents more than your best friend? <laughs> um, I don't know that I would talk to them more, but I definitely did not mind having conversations with parents like at all. Like I loved understanding what people did, you know, kind of the jobs they had. Like I, I've always been inquisitive. Um, so yeah, I, I was, you know, thank God for sports, man. Cause I think sports helped, uh, help me to be like, I don't know, one of the cool kids or whatever, but like, yeah, I've always just had a lot of questions, you know, and, um, just always want to make a change in the world. So you are. Well, you are making a change in the world and um, we, we appreciate you for that. Uh, appreciate you jumping on the show. Who do you got tonight? Uh, Bucks, Suns, do Bucks close it out? Or do the Suns keep it going? I went to Wake Forest. So I got to, listen, I got to cheer for my man, Chris Paul. The Bucks are at home. I think they close it out tonight, man. Ah, yeah. It's a different, it's a different series after they had those injuries. So where can our listeners find and follow all your work? Um, obviously, we've already talked about the podcast, but where can we find all of what you're bringing to the table for student athletes, colleges, and even beyond that? Yeah, so you can find me on social media at Luke Fedlam. Um, that's L-U-K-E-F-E-D-L-A-M. Um, this sounds so arrogant and I don't mean it to, but you can Google me. You can find out a whole lot of stuff about me, you know, things along those lines. And, um, you know, our law firm website, porterwright.com, you can find me there. Um, and then anomaly, the work that I do in education, anomaly Thank you so much. Keep it rocking, man. Let's go, man. We got a lot of work to do, Alex. Let's keep it going, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir.